0: G'day and welcome to Season 2 of the Far North Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeff, and in each episode of the podcast I interview a leader from the beautiful city of Cairns in Far North Queensland. It's called the Far North Leadership Podcast for that simple reason, because it features leaders from a variety of sectors across the Far North. I believe that we can grow as leaders simply by listening to and learning from each other. I don't know about you, but every time I meet a leader or I overhear a leadership conversation it helps me grow. So enjoy the conversations, and I hope you find something that applies to your life and leadership in every single episode. In this episode, I interview Stephen Charlesworth. Stephen is the Asia Pacific Director for Mission Aviation Fellowship, or MAF, or MAF, as it's often known. MAF's purpose is to deliver practical and spiritual care to people in places of deepest human need. So every three minutes, an MAF plane takes off or lands somewhere in the world. And these flights enable crucial work by many aid and development agencies, missions, local churches, and other national groups. MAF is serving the church and communities in remote areas where flying is not a luxury – but a lifeline. I interviewed Stephen in his office on Mulgrave Road here in Cairns. Well, Stephen, thanks for joining me. You spent many years flying aeroplanes. What do you remember as your best day in the air? Thanks, Jeff. It's a privilege to uh,
1: be interviewed by you. I've got a lot of good memories of flying. I loved it. I loved my five years working in Papua New Guinea as a, as a bush pilot. Uh, many, many days that I uh, would consider great days. Uh, I would say one of the best days that I can remember is actually came after about four years of working in Papua New Guinea, I'd been doing a similar job for those four years and I started to think what am I doing, am I actually making any difference? Do these flights mean anything to to the people that I'm uh, going to? And um, I had these thoughts as I was doing this flight, and it was about 40 minute duration and I landed and I started unloading and this nurse came up to me, um, community health worker from the village. And she just started saying how much she really appreciated the flight and and, uh, that I'd come and she said, we are so thankful as a community that you come and it reminds us that we're not forgotten people and that God loves us and that uh, we've got some means of getting in and out of this place and we are so remote and you come and you bring these medicines and you bring these goods that we need and it uh, helps us to feel connected, so that the timing of that was really significant so that, that stands out as a
0: great day Yeah flying in Papua New Guinea Wow They so it brought the uh, not just the, the act of flying but the purpose exactly. and the meaning Exactly of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and when you realise that what you're doing is making a difference and it's valued and people express that, uh, that that's a real privilege it doesn't come every day Yeah
0: <laughs> that's great Can you tell me a bit about yourself and how long you've been
1: in Cairns? Um, my wife and I with our family have lived in Cairns for 12 years we we joined um, an organisation called Mission Aviation Fellowship and we came from Melbourne to, to Cairns to join that organisation and uh, I've had different roles in the support office in Cairns. Uh, Cairns has a, uh, MAF has an office in Cairns that supports programs throughout Asia-Pacific and uh, I came up here to be part of the team supporting the, um, the activity of aviation in developing countries in, in Asia-Pacific. Mm-hmm. We've got um, three children, two of them now left home. Uh, studying at university and uh, one daughter who's finishing Year 12, or doing Year 12, at St Monica's. Excellent. And how many years
0: have you been in the regional uh, director role?
1: Since uh, 2012. Um, so I've had a technical role before that and a, and a support role before that. Um, so yeah, since 2012 I've been in this regional director role and um, yeah,
0: most days love it. Mm-hmm. As a concept, what does leadership mean
1: to you? Well, for me, uh, leadership—I was going to—can I look up a, a dictionary <laughs> definition? <laughs> sure. Uh, but uh, no, no. For me, leadership's is about um, obviously leading people, but resourcing people, uh, serving people, communicating with people, pulling people together to to achieve an outcome. So, for me, leadership is about—it's yeah, really about enabling others, empowering others, and. Um, on, on a few occasions, directing, uh, guiding, but usually it's about empowering, continuing to communicate what we're trying to achieve, remind people of what we're trying to achieve, helping them, asking them questions to help them realise, is this what we're trying to achieve online? Is this working towards the vision? Does it reflect the purpose of the organisation? Uh, for me, that's leadership. And then helping people, facilitating people to be able to do that, um, achieve that is what I think is leadership.
0: Yeah. Do you find... Uh, that you need to do that reminding and empowering because people will forget uh, or just so focused in their one area that you need to bring the whole together? Well, I think uh, it's easy to forget. And I gave the example before about
1: myself flying when I used to fly in Papua New Guinea. I think we can very easily get distracted with the urgent. We can become consumed with uh, challenges and problems that we're facing. Sometimes we can get involved in emotional issues or political issues in the, in the workplace. So, we need to be reminded of the big, big picture. We need to be reminded of what we're trying to achieve and what's on the, the one year goal and the, on the five year plan. And uh, so, I think conversations like that as a leader are important that we're not, um, not just supporting somebody with their immediate problem, but we're having conversations about how we're going, progressing towards the, the longer term. So. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hmm. Can you give us a little bit more insight into your leadership concept here? So as the Asia-Pacific Director for Mission Aviation Fellowship, what, uh, what, what does that look like as a leader? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm
1: uh, supporting six general managers that are working in countries throughout Asia-Pacific and uh, they've got roles to use aircraft and technology to bring transformation and bring change in uh, communities that are isolated. So my role is working with those managers uh, to, to help them to identify resources needed to help them with you know, getting the right people and equipment, and then to work on a strategy within that that context, and it varies, so the, the countries have different needs, and so we'll have a different strategy for each country that we're working in, so that we're effective. Um, I'll help with questions around efficiency, help them to be efficient, we're a, we're a charity, we're based on, uh, we run with donations that come in, plus some contribution from the the users of the service, and uh, we yeah, so we need to be efficient. So I'll, I'll help. My, my days will involve um, uh, talking with them. I catch up with them regularly. We'll talk about issues that they're dealing with in the short term. Then we'll talk about longer-term issues, uh, how they're going with approvals with government. It might be a new program trying to get started, or it might be a mature program that's got uh, challenges, uh, typical challenges. The demand way, way exceeds the capacity. So yeah. How do we... How do we prioritise? What are, what should we prioritise? Um, things like that. So yeah, for, for me it's often just listening uh, and then reflecting on that, helping them reflect on that, asking them questions and often they themselves come up with uh, identifying the priorities and identifying the needs and um, I'll try and support that. Mm. Sounds like there's a
0: large coaching element to what you're doing, coaching and supporting.
1: There is. Uh, it's funny, I mean I don't, see myself as a coach and I don't probably realise it as a coach but I think it just happens and sometimes it's not just a, it's not necessarily that I've got the the wisdom or the experience but I'm somebody who understands the world and understands what they're trying to achieve and yet is remote enough to be able to be a little bit objective. Um, so yeah I think that means that if I listen well, if I ask intelligent questions, um and if I understand clearly what the organisation's trying to
0: achieve, then, then I can be a coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like there's a, a large innovative element to what you're doing, especially going into new countries and, and new regions, uh, while at the same time being able to, to manage the um, resources and the need that's there to help people and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do you go about um, handling the interplay between those two things to make sure that you're, I guess, in- innovating or moving ahead at the right pace while maintaining what you've got, I guess, I guess avoiding mission drift yes. in one of those directions? Yeah, that, that is difficult.
1: Um, there's, in the sort of circumstances we're working, we're often the only service provider. In the context where we're an organisation that's got access to a lot of resources, we're an international non-government organisation, international charity with good res- good access to resources, and uh, so there's often demands come to the organisation that are outside of our, our scope of using aviation and and technology. Uh, sometimes our staff will see needs when they go into places, and they'll have great ideas about how we can be even more. Of even greater benefit than what we we currently are and so it is very easy to create mission drift and uh, that's where it's helpful to have as an organisation to have a clearly stated vision statement to have a purpose statement and then to know what are the boundaries because uh, we could be we could be trying to be everything to all people and then we wouldn't do things well so I think if we if we're going to do things excellently if we're going to do things in a reliable sustainable way we have to know what our strategy is Uh, what our purpose is, and then stick with that. And if there are other ideas that involve things that are outside of MAF's purpose, we can maybe um, invite other organisations to be part of that solution to to resource that need. And so we've got good partner organisations that we work with in many different countries in the world, and we we do that regularly, invite them to come and be part of meeting a need or training people, you know, in a context that we work in. And often, we're, because we're providing services to lots and lots of different agencies, often we'll be aware of something and we know of another organisation that can work in that area and we can link two agencies together.
0: And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a side benefit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. You get to see the needs met while protecting, you know, what you are called to do and what you're really good at. Yep. Yeah, that's excellent. Can you tell me about one of the best leaders that you've ever met?
1: Well, for me, uh, there's, there's two leaders that, went, that, that come to mind, um, and they're both named Wally. Yeah, <laughs> they're real people. Yeah, the first person I've ever met is, is to give me that answer. <laughs> I thought, this is going to sound like it's cooked up, but it's not cooked up. Two, two people that stand out just happen to have the same name, and it's Wally. They're real people. One was uh, my football coach when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was privileged to be part of a, a football club in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And... Um, our club changed competitions you know, from, from one league into another league. And we went, for, when we joined this new league, we, we had to start at the bottom and we made our way up. And in three years, we won three premierships. Wow. And this coach, whose name was Wally, uh, had been involved with the Melbourne Football Club. And, and he was someone I just was very impressed with, uh, partly probably, probably my age, but he was able to really build a team. Um, it was. He, he built a real a strong mateship with the, the players. We, we were like brothers. We really stuck together. Um, we did a lot of socialising together, and uh, yet he held us accountable. You know, he, he was constantly talking about the dream, about the vision, about what we could achieve. He kept putting that before us. And so when it came to uh, difficulties, he kept bringing us back to that, and what we could achieve as a team if we stuck uh, and play together as a team and and train together, and so yeah, you know, I just saw there was a lot of success we We did win three premierships in three years, and uh, it was a real privilege to be part of that but I, I put it down to the coach and then his style of empowering people you know you saw the the captain lead and take on more all of us as players we, we put in more effort because of um, his leadership. Another guy, Wally that I know of um, that 's had a big impact on my life is a, a guy who 's worked for about 30 years in Indonesia. Um, he works also with MAF. He was a regional director in, uh, in Indonesia. And he has m- uh, established and maintained great relationships with uh, government people within Indonesia. Um, and, and the thing I am impressed with, sometimes we, we make relationships and we can be a little bit abusive in those relationships. We're trying to, to leverage things for our own good. And this guy, Wally, I saw him as having a genuine care for other people. And so he had an objective to see MAF successful in that that country, but he took great delight and great interest in the lives of of, um, officials and administrators in the government and governors. And so he had relationships with people uh, in very high places in Indonesia, but he wasn't using those in an abusive way. It was uh, genuine, genuine care for, for people, and I really respected that. So I learned a lot from him.
0: Just observing um, him interact with people. Yeah, both wonderful leaders with the same name. That's that's right. You're often on the lookout if you meet someone named Wally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs)
0: Coincidence. Yeah. Uh, What's the hardest thing about leadership for you?
1: For me, um, I don't like being unpopular, and I realise that. Coming with leadership is times when you are unpopular. I mean, there's a lot of times when you have you achieve things together with other people and you and you get some sense of doing something with others and being part of a team. But often as a leader, you, you've got to differentiate. You have to be objective. You have to hold people accountable. Um, and there's times when you're making decisions that are unpopular or you're having to interact with someone which uh, create, makes you unpopular and you're not liked. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't enjoy that. that. Fortunately, that's not an everyday thing, but there's definitely times um, when you have to be that way, and um, or that's the outcome, I should say, of, of decisions that you have to make. And so I don't like that.
0: <laughs> I totally understand that. <laughs> How have you found ways to uh, cope with that within you, within yourself or navigate that?
1: Yeah, I think you never get to the point where you you completely... Um, you never get to the point where it doesn't come into your mind, the impact of a decision. But I think what's helped me is to really understand my role as a leader and what I'm accountable for and what the organisation's asking of me. And that if I do my role well, that helps the organisation do well. So I realise that actually it's not on my job description to be popular or liked, but to be making decisions that help the organisation achieve its purpose and uh, work towards its vision. And so for me, to, when I'm that, facing that situation, I've got to come back to what's the right decision for me to make, not the popular decision, and that's what I'm held accountable for. And, uh, and for me to even just acknowledge that, recognise that, helps. And then I have to sort of suck it up.
0: <laughs> that, that, that's a really important distinction. Uh, that it's not so much the right decision for you personally and your desire to be popular, but the right decision for the organisation. Yeah. Do you find uh, in your internal dialogue that, that that argument works? Kind of the, the organisation versus your your desire. Uh, well, I think it does. I mean, I, I'm, I guess that's way my
1: brain is wired to some extent is just to is to emphasise the rational thought, I, I guess and. And yeah, when I kind of understand an organisation, the different roles within an organisation, uh, that that concept um, does speak powerfully to me, and it's often enough in itself. Um, when it helps to have people that I can offload to, people I can talk with and share when I'm feeling like a little bit wounded or a bit um, bit bruised, um, and so I seek out that and make sure I maintain uh, good mental health and good emotional health, and that that's necessary. It's not just a case of um, it. Not I, I realize that it has an impact on me, so I have to have to balance that. But the the awareness of my role and what I'm accountable for does help me a long a long way.
0: Mm. That's really good. Compared to 2012, when you took on this role of regional director, how how do you think you've changed as a leader in the last six seven years?
1: Um, one, of the, one of the ways that I've changed is I've become more aware of how I come across. Um, I, I've learnt that I judge myself based on my motivation. I judge other people on their action, and then, of course, then well, other people are going to judge me the same way. And yet, I've always thought if my motivation is pure, um, if I just explain that to people, they'll uh, they'll give me the grace. <laughs> but that's not the case. They say, "I hear you, but I want to see the action." And and I've learned the hard way. Sometimes uh, the hard way that that uh, I've got to communicate a lot more proactively. I can't just have good intentions, but I have to communicate a lot more effectively. One of the areas where I've had a challenge in communicating is I'm a very positive person. So I'm always seeing the positive. Uh, I'm quite optimistic, very optimistic. Um, it, is, it is a strength um, to be positive. And sometimes when I'm interacting with somebody, uh, they can be presenting negatives, they can presenting fears, uh, they can be highlighting threats that exist. And I'll come over with a positive uh, position, which which can be beneficial. But the person feels unheard. They feel like I'm not taking seriously the threat that they've identified. That's that's to them real. And um, if I'm too quick to come out with a positive position, then they feel like, well, he hasn't really understood. He hasn't. He doesn't appreciate this. The pressure that I'm under. And uh, so I've learned over these years that. Um, Being positive is helpful as a good trait, I think, as a leader, but I need to be very careful in communicating that I've heard, Be proactive in listening, um, and uh, feedback the things that I hear before pointing at positive so that people really um, understand uh, and are confident that they've been heard and that I'm taking seriously
0: the the challenges that they present. Mm. That's a a great thing to realise. You you can... uh observe the difference in your leadership and the positive impact by, you know, showing genuinely, you know, listening and understanding. Yeah, it does. And and some of it's
1: come through just asking people, like, how am I coming across? And and, and sometimes it's, you know, when I've made myself vulnerable, I've said to someone, you know, what what are you frustrated by in in my leadership? Uh, That's come up a couple of times. And that's been, yeah, that's been very hopeful uh, for me to learn, okay, well, this is how I'm coming across. I, I need to appreciate that as a strength of mine to be positive, but I need to well, uh, use that in a, in a constructive way and, and work on my listening, be a better listener, and
0: verbalise what I hear so that people uh, feel heard. Mm. That's great. When you're going to sleep at night and reflecting on your day, what constitutes a good day for you as a leader? Days that I enjoy are days where I've
1: had a lot of time on the phone. Uh, if I, and There's times when the email inbox gets uh, chockers and gets very full and you, you feel a sense of achievement if you can deal with issues, but I actually don't find that it's very stimulating. I find a day that I've had a lot of time on the phone talking with pro- program managers or general managers in, in programs, talking through... Some of the issues they're going through, uh, helping them to uh, navigate some of the challenges, um, even even just as I said before, just having a conversation with them where they realise a way forward, I find that very rewarding. I found, uh, yeah. So if I've had a day where I've had meetings that relate to op- operational uh, operations uh, that, that uh, a program manager feels like they've got a way forward, that's extremely rewarding for myself, um, and I enjoy that kind of interaction, uh, the sense that. The organisation's making a difference and uh, you've been able to be part of navigating a way forward.
0: Uh, it's very rewarding. Absolutely. If someone wants to find out more about Mission Aviation Fellowship, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Well, we've got our website, um,
1: maf.org.au, so it's not a .com, it's a .org, mm-hmm. uh, au, and that's the MAF Australia website um, and then we've got multiple websites in different countries where we recruit uh, people. So. But if you're Australian and uh, English is your first language, uh, math.org.au is a good place to go. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Stephen. Thank you, Geoff. Appreciate
0: it. That was a great interview with Stephen. I really enjoyed his approach to leadership and the way that he navigates the remote and uh, and very spread out nature of his role and the people that he leads and also managing that tension between innovation and uh, what is the core business of their organization. Uh, Stephen is just such a great guy and has a great approach to people and relationships uh, and also leadership and so I know that there are things that you'll take away from this interview. In this season of the Far North Leadership Podcast, I'll release a new episode every month. All you need to do is subscribe on your favourite podcasting app and each new episode will appear when it's released. If you find this helpful or interesting, please pass it on to a friend or a colleague and I'll be back next month with another fascinating interview.